what brought me here to West Ridge is, um, I don't mind telling people this, that I am a member of AA. Uh, I was a heroin addict for 13 years, and I moved out here to Elgin so I could stay clean and sober. So I, I felt like I was home, so that's why I wrote that word. I felt like I was home. You can see me tearing up now. So when I come here, I feel at peace within. The word I chose is real. Um, I've been a member of Westridge for about six years, and ever since I walked in the doors, I've just met some real genuine people who accept me for who I am and don't expect anything more than just me. I've been coming to Westridge for about four years now. I wasn't really sure what type of religion I was, you know, or what church I had been wanting to go to. So I did some church shopping and right away we're like, wow, this just felt right. Just kind of felt like a family. But when I come here and I listen to their music, like just now they were sing, singing the song, Is Your Breath or whatever they were. I love the songs here. So if I stick to God's word and have faith in Him, then my storm is not so hard to go through. I literally look forward to coming here every week, especially for the music. And of course the message, you know, it makes me start my week off kind of like on the right note to kind of put things back into perspective. But I still try and come here on the weekends and get my little dose of, of ostrich. Morning. Did you guys have a good time last night? Well, welcome to the best of the best of Westridge this morning. We may not be serving any wine, but it's all good. Uh, I want to uh, especially thank uh, Mr. Sean McGuire here coming back. He spent about five years with us. He spent about uh, five years with us, and uh, then he got married, and his wife dragged away to Boston. So, dang. But thanks for coming back. Um, Today, we are uh, continuing in our series entitled uh, Never Church as Usual, and we're talking about those things that we believe here at Westridge and uh, some of the lessons that we've learned over the last 20 years that made this church what it is and, quite frankly, made me who I am today. And this morning, we're going to discuss something that seems very simplistic, but I have to tell you, it is incredibly uh, complicated and difficult, and that is what it means to be an authentic Christian. What does authentic Christianity look like? I think there comes a point in all of our lives when we come to this crossroads and we're faced with a decision of choosing between two roads that go in two very different directions. The first road we see quickly curves around and disappears from our view. We can't see exactly where it leads, but from what we can see, it's not a real attractive road to travel down. This is a nasty dirt road that's all dusty and bumpy and actually should be considered more of a path than a road. And it's obvious that not too many people have journeyed down that way. And while it's a little scary because of all of the unknowns that come with it, at the same time, it's like our heart is drawn to it. And it's like somehow we know I belong there. But yet, we fight against it. 
And then there's this other road. It runs as far as the eye can see. It's a really nice paved stretch of highway. Well lit. Well marked. And all the way down the road, there are like neon signs and and cool looking attractions. And this road just looks like it's going to be an easier journey than the dirt road. Or at least a heck of a lot more fun. So as you stand there at this crossroads, trying to decide which road to take, no brainer, right? I mean, life is tough enough without having to make the journey any more difficult by taking the tough path, right? Robert Frost put it like this, two roads diverged in a wood. And I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. Jesus put it this way as he was closing out his infamous sermon on the mount in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the path that leads to life. Because only a few find it. The difference between these two roads is that one leads us into living a life of authenticity, which admittedly is more challenging and complex and difficult, versus the road that allows us to lead a life that is more acceptable, Culturally, more popular, seemingly easier, quite frankly, because it's the road that the whole rest of the world is taking. And so there's less resistance down that road. However, Jesus makes it very clear that one of these roads will lead to him, while the other leads us away from God and ultimately, as Jesus describes it, Ultimately, it's a road that leads to destruction. And I think the challenge that Jesus lays out for us here is that we need to stop living life as usual and begin to live a life that's radically different from the rest of the world and, quite frankly, probably from the life that we've been living, which is way easier said than done. I do think, however that most of us want that life. I mean, that's really why we're here on a Sunday morning, right? Deep down, we have a desire to live differently, or at least we want to explore what that looks like. We desire to live our lives in God, but inevitably, something holds us back from living the life that we want to live and committing to take that road that we know we belong on. Part of the problem is that if we're honest about it, the Christian life is most of the time messy and difficult. Seldom is it black and white. There's a few black and white issues in the Christian faith, but there's a lot of messiness. And I would even go as far as to say that, at least in my experience, it's seldom easy. And I'm pretty sure that's why Jesus says, Narrow is the path 
that we have to take in order to follow him because so many of us stumble and fall off the trail to Jesus if we ever even get started down that path at all. Jesus Jesus never promised that following him would ever be easy. In fact, scriptures talk way more about the pain and temptation and hardships and the suffering of those who follow Jesus than it ever does attempting to paint a picture of how the Christian life is one of coasting along the highway on easy street and everything is all good. And yet so many of us have that kind of expectation of the Christian life. That somehow, if we believe in God, then we should be prosperous. We should have God at our back protecting us always and never hit any bad patches. That we should always have this kind of consistent growth pattern and we should always experience kind of this this spiritual highs. It'd be nice if it were like that, but the truth of the matter is it's not. Life's just not that predictable. It's not that cookie cutter. Because while the good times may be really good, and we have those spiritual highs, there are plenty of times where our lives take a downturn and we bottom out, making us feel godless. There are times when we feel like we are so close to heaven that we could just reach out and touch those pearly gates. And then there are those times when our feet are burning so badly because... We're trudging through the hot sand of the desert again. Those desert times are critical to our development in the Christian life. You may not feel the presence of God in those times. You may not feel very Christian-like in those times. But as long as we keep stumbling forward toward Jesus, then it's in those times that we actually experience growth. And it's in those times we find the strength that it takes to be able to finish the journey. I want to be clear about something. A Christian is not somebody who leads a perfect life. You don't become a Christian one day and then you become sinless. You don't become Christian and then all of a sudden you stop making mistakes or blowing it because that's not real. The difference between somebody who follows God and somebody who doesn't is not how bad do I blow it because we all do. The difference is how do I get back up? What's my next step? Am I putting my foot back on the dirt path that leads to Jesus, or am I taking a U-turn and getting the heck off of this thing into the easy road? Am I able to dust myself up off after I blow it and be able to move forward, continue to move forward down the dirt path? And that's why Jesus said in this same sermon, judge not lest you be judged. Don't be looking at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye when you got a plank sticking out of your own. Ain't nobody any better than anybody else. We're just all one step away from blowing it. We're just all one temptation away from sinning. Nobody is above it. Nobody is so spiritually strong that all of a sudden they stop making mistakes. It's how do we move forward? 
It's how do we help each other move forward. And when you make that decision to move forward in Jesus, when you make that decision to stay on the dirt path, from that point forward, life gets a little tough. It's tough because you not only have to now figure out how to move forward, but you have to figure out how to leave your past in the past. You have to figure out how to leave your old self in the rearview mirror. You have to figure out how to transform yourself into the ways of Jesus. Now you're not only just leaving the main road, you're walking into a life of authenticity where everybody can see the real you. You're exposed for who you really are. And you are now living a life that goes counter to the culture of what we live in. Do you know how foreign this Christianity thing is to the rest of the world? And I'm not talking about going to church on Sunday morning. That's pretty socially acceptable. But to live a life of authenticity in Jesus, where we take on this Christianity thing for real, his values, what he asks us to do, the life that he asks us to leave, what we believe in, what we strive for, is so absolutely absurd to the rest of the world that sometimes we look downright foolish for the stuff that we believe in. As I've said many times before, I'm just a volunteer here at the church, and I've been blessed enough that I can do what I do here without taking any money, and so my paying job is that I'm an owner in a real estate investment firm. And when I started in my early years, I really tried to keep my two worlds as separate as I could. I wanted to protect my image as like this great business guy. And I never talked about the Christian part of my life, and certainly never about the pastor part of my life. But there was this one time several years ago when I was in the middle of a pretty heated zoning battle where I was trying to rezone a piece of property and develop it into a resort community, but the community was incredibly opposed to it. And so they were looking for anything that they could get their hands on to make me look bad um, in front of the city council so that they could discredit me and get the city council to vote against this development. So I woke up one morning to the following headline in the local newspaper that read this. Developers' religion comes into question. And when I saw that, I was like, oh man, what poor sap are they talking about in frying now? <laughs> Little did I know I was the poor sap. Well, the article read, it stated this. A resident said she and a few friends spent a lot of time doing internet research on Sloniger when she found a link to an audio recording of the message the developer gave to his church last December. She was appalled. It's very sensationalized, she said. His approach to church is brainwashing. She's talking about you people, by the way. <laughs> this guy's a crazed religious zealot. Now, hang on, you can call me a lot of things, and I have been called a lot of things, but religious zealot? Come on. Slodiger's message, delivered the first Sunday, the congregation moved into its new building, outlines the details of how the church acquired the property and paid for the facility through several well-timed real estate transactions. Throughout the message, 
Sloniger credited God with aligning circumstances in the church's favor and working to bless the congregation's ministry. The resident said she thought other residents whom she described as more conventionally religious would be interested to know Sloniger actually believed the events in which he was involved were totally driven by God. Can you believe that? So now I had a problem, right? With the internet now, I soon realized that there is no hiding my two lives anymore. Now to this day, you can actually Google Darren Sloniger, religious zealot, and all that stuff still comes up. Don't get any ideas about that, by the way. But to be honest with you, at first, it really bugged me. Like, I thought my image as this tough negotiator is blown, and I'm now going to be known as, like, the Billy Graham of business or something. And I was going to be known as, like, all nice and compassionate, and I wouldn't be respected and feared in those negotiations anymore. How weak my faith can be at times. Let me tell you, I have had more moments than I care to remember in my life where I have blown it. Where I have shrank back from my faith because I was afraid of what people would think about me if they knew what I really believed. I can't tell you the number of times I have just messed up. But I also have to tell you, It was an awesome day, the day that I finally, finally decided to live authentically and be the same person in my business as I am in my home, as I am when I'm out with friends, as I am in my church, as I am in my relationship with God. To go public with my faith in every area of my life, And say who I really am. Yes, I'm a real estate developer, but can you believe it? I'm also a pastor. And what I'm really owning up to is saying, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. I really believe in this Christianity stuff to the point that apparently I'm a friggin' religious fanatic. A zealot. So fanatical, in fact, that I actually started a church 20 years ago, and in spite of me brainwashing all of you people, we're still here doing the best we can to try to make it down the narrow dirt path together. That's who I am. That's what I'm about. That's my core. But I spent a good part of my life trying to manage other people's expectations of me and my image, and worrying about what people thought about me, if they found out who I really am. But there came a point when I stopped trying to be conventionally religious, where it was socially acceptable, and moved fully into an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ, and it changed everything for me. Everything. The issue is now that I'm I'm living counterculturally. I'm living counter to the what the rest of the business world is all about. 
as everyone is seeking more money and more power and influence and pleasure and self-centeredness, I'm going the opposite direction. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm still trying to build a profitable company. But I'm not going to do it at the expense of compromising what's real in my life. I'm not going to compromise what I'm really desiring and seeking, which is a sense of purpose and mission and fulfillment and to live a life worthy of being called a follower of Jesus Christ. I've said this many times through the years, and it's true. While I may at times be embarrassed to call myself a Christian because of all of the evil things that are done and the crazy that is done in the name of Christianity, I am never, ever embarrassed to call myself a follower of Jesus because he is the only thing that I have found that is real in this world. The Jesus I follow, he can care less about how good we look on the outside. He cares about what's in our heart. He cares about who we are at our core. Who are we and what are we about? There's no games there. The Jesus I follow is full of love and compassion and flies against all the stuff that I hate about religion. But when I discovered the truth about who Jesus is, when I sat down and read and studied the life of Jesus, I was compelled. I knew I had to follow him. Because when you find the real Jesus, you just know that's who I want to be. That's what I want. And yet the words that Jesus spoke in that verse are so sobering to me. When he says, wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to to life and only, only a few find it. I don't like it, but this passage is certainly implying to me that at the end of the day, there are way more people that are going to end up taking the road that leads away from God than those that lead to him. And that may be a conscious decision or an unconscious one. Because there are a whole lot of us that just go through this life without ever thinking about it never thinking of the spiritual side of our lives, never thinking about the road that we're on. And believe me, I tried to coast down that other road most of my life, and I can tell you, it just doesn't work. I am the happiest, I'm the most fulfilled, I'm the most contented when my feet are planted firmly on the narrow path. The Bible makes it clear that we are all a bunch of messed up sinners with an amazing capacity to screw up our lives over and over and over again. We all do things that go against God. We sin, we fall, we mess up, and none of us have lived a life worthy of this. That while we were all still a bunch of messed up sinners walking down the wrong road, Jesus died for us. 
And because of that, we can be healed. We can be healed of the mess of our past. We can be healed of our sin. We can be healed of the things that hold us back and get freed up. We can be healed and walk authentically in God because of his forgiveness. Through my 50 years of living, I have learned a thing or two about traveling down the narrow dirt path that leads to Jesus. I've learned that it's not an easy road, but it's quite easy to lose your way. And I've also learned that no matter how difficult the Christian life is, no matter how tough are the choices that we have to make in order to follow him, to follow Jesus with a sense of authenticity and mission and purpose and passion, there is no better life. And so this morning we all come to a crossroads. And we may not have given it much thought before. But there are clearly two roads that we can take in this life. We can stay pretty checked out, going through the daily grind, doing what we do down the highway. Or we can make that difficult decision, that tough choice, to set foot on the narrow dirt path that leads to him. I love following Jesus with all my heart. But I have to tell you, I fail miserably at it. But every day I wake up and I have hope. I have hope that I can be not the person that I created me to be, but that I can walk authentically as the person that God created me to become. I'm about as imperfect of a Christian as they come. But thank God. Thank God. He loves me anyway. And because of that, I've made my choice. I'm not going to live my life to build wealth or power or a big company or even a big church. I would leave everything behind just to follow him. And I'm committed. I'm committed to taking this dusty, bumpy, narrow dirt path to the very end where I know one day it'll lead me to Jesus. One day it'll lead me home.